0: like you and me podcast i think we're recording yeah okay i see the red button so yeah we're here with dave brushback of run it brushback zines uh you may have heard of them and uh you'll probably see him at shows maybe not now taking photos what's up dave
1: what's going on (laughs) good good evening i should say (laughs) yeah
0: right (laughs) to to people here now
1: Yeah, Freak No Hitter. We got to plug that. That's your main main thing, right? Well, it is right now, the the newsletter thing. It's something I decided to do, you know, because everything's in lockdown and you can't go see bands to take new pictures. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I don't really feel like doing a zine and there's no bands to see. There's no new information, you know, because the show hasn't happened in a year. But it's like, you know, I can take old not old pictures, but pictures I took a year or two ago of bands I've seen, and I can interview them now, like really sh- short, so it's not like too annoying to people. Wouldn't do like a full-on interview like I used to do for the the regular sizing, but for, for a newsletter, yeah, you just uh, put together two, three questions and it, it seemed to work out. People seem to have liked it. I'm out of them now. This, this is actually, it's kind of weird tonight. I'm down to like my last like couple of sheets left. The three that I've made are like all gone. So I got to decide if I'm going to reprint them or make a new one and keep going. Yeah, yeah, they're all gone. It's like, you know how those things go when you start out, everything's slow and nobody wants anything, (laughs) you know, and then after a while.
2: You you had a good approach that you, if you want to tell people about the approach that you took when you
1: you know first started advertising them on instagram uh the the zine yeah uh the the newsletter you mean the one newsletter i feel like you were kind of giving
2: them away yeah
1: yeah just giving them away for free because i never actually really charged much for the zine it was always like i think the last one was like a dollar up till that point and I was telling people, you know, just send me money for postage. So to like do a one sheet and charge for that wouldn't really seem, it wouldn't fit because I was giving away, you know, a, a thicker, bigger zine for free. Well, I'm not going to charge for new, but yeah, it's free. You put it in an envelope and people seem to like it. It gives them something to look at. You know, everyone's kind of, you know, there's not much going on. It's, it's fun for me. It's given me something to do. And people seem to like getting an envelope in the mail sure <laughs> it's, it's like analog you know it's i'm not amazing. gonna put it online i'm not gonna like make a pdf out of it it's like strictly you know on paper put a stamp on it and mail it you know i don't scan it necessarily and make like a link online for people to see it digitally although maybe eventually i might start doing that once i stop making the print ones maybe i'll put it online for anyone that never got a copy but i think still kind of doing it the regular old way yeah, How long you know, and uh, be... in, in, in
2: the zine business.
1: Oh, man, forever since like the 80s, like doing actual zines, like from the very start, off and on yeah. for uh, like 35 years, which means I'm old. See, <laughs> <coughs> I might wow. be the oldest yeah. person to ever be on your podcast.
0: <laughs> uh no i don't think so we i think mm. we have few few people have
2: you beat i don't know are you older than <laughs> jay snowden do you know her
1: uh why does that name sound familiar
2: she's like an outsider kind of person but she's she's definitely you know i mean i don't know how old you are but i think she's probably at least in her 60s yeah.
1: Oh yeah, okay. That's all the that's all in me. Uh, this has been, been good though. You yeah. guys have been you guys have been interviewing some pretty interesting people. I thought it was basically just gonna be like <clears throat> all these like sort of like Boston type punk people, but you've been mixing some stuff in. It's been kind of cool.
0: That yeah, yeah. I mean totally. That was kind of the idea. Uh, I didn't wanna do just uh, and I didn't really wanna do just like a Boston podcast or uh yeah. or like a rock and roll podcast or whatever i don't know
2: There's yeah more exactly to to
0: focus on like underground just like because you know, i don't know with everything going on it's like i don't know just wanted to focus more on underground
1: yeah because that's kind of like i was expecting all right it's all going to be like sort of stuff that's like you know been on the website been on the label but like you've been like stretching out and plus you do a million of them <laughs> <When> <laughs> the it, there, i'll dude. ask you guys the questions yeah, I'll ask you guys a question. Like, this this specific podcast, when did you start doing this? Because I know you've always had something, some sort of project going for a while, but. Uh, well,
0: like, last uh, April, I think. And yeah. Yeah, and that, but we didn't really, like, at first, we were just kind of like, it was just one and I talking for a while. And then we sort of, like, the first one was in May, really.
1: Yeah, because that was sort of like the the point that I was getting at. A lot of people are like, they're 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 switching gears because of like all the lockdowns and stuff like that. They're looking to do something different, something that's going to keep them interested and occupied, and other people interested, and so. I think it's taken a while at the beginning everyone was like oh what the fuck do we do now on the weekends but now people are starting I think to come out with like some creative interesting projects because they have had time to think about it you know I know myself back in May I was kind of like okay this is going to be over and you know I'll be at a show like in August (laughs) you know in April I think we all thought by the end of the summer things are gonna be back to normal. And well, now it's a year later and they're not. So uh,
2: yeah. yeah, that seems yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, go on, Glenn. <laughs> what are you gonna say?
2: Well, Who? I, I was gonna no. say, yeah, it seems like what would you say? Uh probably not till the fall of this year or something when shows will come back?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And who knows who's gonna be all that eager to jump right back into it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh,
0: what I wanna ask you, Dave, as far as like the zine, the zines you started and all that shit over years. like, how'd you get into, how'd you hear about that music? Like. You know what I mean? Like, uh, what was like, what was the first time you heard of punk?
1: Well, for me, it kind of happened at the same time. Um, Cause I grew up in Maine and so there was, there was nothing up there. And then I moved down to Connecticut, which is my home state where I was born. I did that in high school and that's when I first started to hear um like different stuff, college radio, we'd go to a record store and it wasn't just all like, you know, the usual records. You'd see a couple of things that were different, you know, eh, what's this band? I don't know who this band is. That's kind of neat. Um, you know? And uh, so I was always like a cartoonist and, you know, class ca- uh, class clown type of person in high school. And um and I was always into like aggressive music, but I wanted something that was different than what I was always hearing on the radio. It's like, yeah, this is kind of cool. But and then when I started to hear on college radio um, some, some of the punk stuff, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to a record store. I'm going to try and find this. And it wasn't until I moved to Connecticut that I found stores that had that. And like one of my first trips to a record store, I saw Flipside and Maximum Rock and Roll and a couple of local Xerox zines. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like what I used to do. Like, this is what I've been doing in high school. You know, handwriting stupid stuff on pieces of paper, and making photocopies of it, and giving it to your friends. And so I was like, wow, this is, like, it fit. The two things fit together. Like, this all happened probably within, you know, the same, <clears throat> the same you know, period of time.
0: Yeah, like but, what uh, you mean. What what year? Yeah, years, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. This is sort of like between like, uh, so senior year of high school into like first year of college, so like 1984, okay, 1985. I- but my, the first show that I went to was in 1985. And, of course, the first time you go to a show, you don't know anything. You're just a kid. You don't know how to find where shows are happening. So it was the Dead Kennedys. They were big enough. Oh, shit. To actually be, they were big mm. enough to be advertised like in a newspaper so somebody like me an average person who wasn't like really embedded deep in like the scene and knew like all the the other places you know to go see shows and stuff that was big enough you'd buy a ticket it was sponsored so um, you know to give Dead Kennedys credit for something you know bands like that who are like maybe um not not cool they got too big or whatever people were kind of like ah you know they're like a joke band you still like them but at least they can sometimes be an entry level to people so that was my entry level right and a couple of Connecticut, couple of connecticut bands opened up that i liked them and um i had just done like the first issue of my zine which was like just really dumb just like 10 pages of me like drawing cartoons and stuff no real music or anything in it and I used a copy of that zine uh to the promoter to let him let me go like backstage where all the bands were hanging out and I interviewed uh dead Kennedy's that night, and that was like my first like big interview oh, like geez. the first time I actually interviewed a band first time I interviewed a band face to face but luckily it was those guys it was jello, so they like knew how to make jokes and like you know be entertaining and stuff, so it wasn't that terrible but it all sort of fit in it all sort of came together all within like a matter of a couple of months and stuff it was like for me um you know it was like like people like to say a bunch of misfits if you were like unpopular and you were like a misfit and you didn't have anyone to hang out with because you weren't a cool kid it was like i fell right into it like oh okay this is cool nobody here is cool nobody here is a popular kid and I can do all my dumb little jokes and drawings and stuff but instead of it just being just for me you know I can send one to like Maximum Rock and Roll and they'll talk about it and they'll review it which is like mind-blowing like at the time um, that like you could send something away and there was a big enough uh, magazine like Maximum Rock and Roll or Flipside that would print your address and you'd start getting a ton of letters and it's like oh okay this is cool I'm you're part of something now and that's how it started. It's just basically being a class con show off, but, you know, doing it within sort of like the punk scene sort of, uh, you know, atmosphere. Wow. Yeah. Damn, damn dude. I'm sure sure people now they do it a lot differently. (laughs) There's a lot different ways, but back then that was sort of the way that you did it. And after you started going to shows, you'd run into people. And you'd get a couple of people that would come up to you and say, oh, yeah, who are you? Where are you from? Hey, you know, we're playing a show. Here's a flyer. And then you start going to more stuff. But it was really uh, <clears throat> just uh, something something like that that just got the ball rolling. Damn. Was yeah. Maximum yeah. Rock
2: and Roll, the, was that like the ultimate well, okay, at, the, yeah.
1: at the time, yeah, at the time, like, the first couple of issues that I picked up, I started to dislike it as it went along, as, you started, as I started to read more issues of it and get more used to, like, what sort of, the, the, that they were presenting themselves. I was like, oh, man, these guys kind of, like, got a monopoly on everything. They are like, shutting people out. But the first couple issues, and, and Flipside, I liked Flipside a lot better. Because Flipside was, you know, kind of goofy. They weren't as serious. Um, Maximum and, and Roll was serious. But for me, that was like my first exposure. And it's like, oh, wait, this is all stuff. Or if anyone was playing like a local bar or a club, it was like a cover band. They were playing other people's songs. But right. then, you know, like, I'd look at the pictures in like MRR and stuff. It's like, these are all kids. These are all people my age, like, touring like driving around the country and like they're playing all these little rickety like little venues and stuff like that um the anthrax club before it became the big uh venue in norwalk it was the basement of a tiny little art gallery a little basement that like you couldn't hardly fit you know i don't know 30 kids into or something and it had didn't really have a big sign or anything So you couldn't like just find it just like walking past it. But once I started finding places like that where things were happening and it didn't have to be like that big overblown production, you know, rock and roll or whatever. It was like, oh, this is stuff that like we can do. And it's immediate. It doesn't have like, you know, people that would go to see a band. It's like, yeah, they'd buy their ticket and they'd wait like three months for the show to happen. This was like every weekend there was something going on. And that was great, yeah. but Maximum Rock and Roll seeing the scene reports and stuff, that was like yeah. it. That was like, Oh, everyone's doing this. Like, like you guys, everyone's doing it. It's <laughs> <Kids laughs> like you and me, you know?
0: This <laughs> is one way, yeah. Yeah, totally. No, I, I I know what you mean. That that was like for us a big thing where we we had these bands that we really loved that we'd go see want to go see. And you know, those were kind of the bigger bands at first, you know, not real big, but like maybe playing middle. East or Paradise or something but they you know, come around once a year but then when we got into local music it's like holy shit you can see your favorite band every week or every month or whatever
1: <laughs> yeah like, you can be more of a participant instead of just someone right. who's standing around and waiting for someone else to bring a band to you that you can go see this is something right. where you're at the ground level you're making it happen you're helping drive this scene you know to keep going And uh, that's always been sort of one of the interesting things about it for me was, you know, the whole DIY thing that eventually, you know, became more obviously described as DIY. At the time, I wasn't thinking like, oh, this is my big DIY thing. It was just more like, hey, wow, these are all people that are my age with like shitty, you know, driving shitty cars to the show. Nothing fancy, you know, you You don't have to be like a big shot. Did, did I ever play? No, I've got no musical talent.
2: You
0: fit in well with us.
1: <laughs> I well, I was a, I was a drummer in high school. I was a Maybe. drummer in the high school band, which you don't have to know notes. You just know time, just know beats. So we I are, could do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but if I tried to do any other kind of instrument, like I tried guitar, I tried. I even I, the first instrument I tried was trumpet. Um cause I was in the jazz. So I wanted to play trumpet, you know, when I'm like, I don't know what sixth grade or something like literally fifth or sixth grade, but uh, no, I don't actually have any. And that amazes me about people, people that can like just play stuff right. and like create things with their hands. I'm like, wow. I, cause I can't do that. I can't think musically, but I can visualize, you know, words. I can take pictures and I can write sentences and that's how my mind works. Other people, their mind works like creatively, you know, the left side of your brain or whatever it's supposed to be, in different ways. Mine, I can put words together on, on paper. <laughs>
2: what, how do you, how, how do you go about determining, you know, say something that really, I mean, obviously this is a tough question, but something that really captures your attention and that you really enjoy versus something that you're just listening to and would you say that would you say something sucks or would you just say oh it's not really my thing you know
1: honestly that 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 gets to the point that gets to the crux of like the way I've been doing things lately when i was younger i was one of those people that you i thought it was kind of funny to say something sucks or to be like a real jerk about it <laughs> I grew out of it. Um, I I don't really like to do that now. Um, but when I'm listening to something and uh, almost instantly as like, say like a record is playing as is I'm like, and I'm looking at the sleeve or whatever, two or three things will come in my head about it. You know, like, oh, this sort of sounds like that band, or oh, I like how they stuck this thing on the back of the sleeve. Like thoughts start popping into my head about and that's when I know that oh I could put together a review or write-up of this because I'm coming up with ideas that I can pass on to other people. The way that I write my reviews sometimes um, if you're reading like a blog or a website or a paper like they're, they're trying to string sentences together like to try and impress you with the words that they know Um, but I'm not into that. I'd rather describe a record the same way you'd describe it to a friend. If a friend says, what do you think of this? It's like, Oh man, you know, the first time I put it on, when I played that first song, I was like, yeah, this sounds just like this other record. I like, I think this is great. That to me, that sort of phrasing and describing a record or a band is just what you do with people. It's conversational. It's not like trying to write like an essay or something that, that uses a lot of vocabulary or whatever. Yeah, you're but, drawing some personal experience. Yeah, and it becomes unique that way. You're actually describing how a record affects you. I think if if I look at the reviews that I write, it's describing how that record affects me. And since I'm the only person who's me, <laughs> that means it's gonna be something different than what other people,
2: yeah, it's are not, writing. It's, not it's like the same
1: thing. Yeah, it's like when, when you're going to do something, like if you're going to do a zine or if you're going to do a website, a lot of people, they want to go out and they want to chase after the big name bands, the well-known bands, because that's how they're going to get like a lot of traffic, a lot of readers, a lot of attention. But everybody's doing that. That's a path that everybody's going down. But myself I just happen to it's not forced I like smaller local bands that's the kind of music that I like and nobody's talking about these bands so if you're talking about them now you're doing something that's different and even going back to like in the 80s when I first started reading Maximum Rock and Roll and you'd see like or like in Flipside and you'd you know see the the advertisements for like other zines or reviews of other zines. And some zines would just try to, you know, I'm gonna interview Corrosion and Conformity, and I'm gonna interview all these big bands. And then you'd get the zines that I liked and actually usually were better and more well-written were the ones that covered the local bands. And it's like there you've got, you know, a niche that other people are already in. So you're presenting something that is more unique and more worthwhile as far as my opinion goes, you know, my viewpoint, it's more worthwhile to cover something that's honest rather than trying to cover something just because you think it's going to make, you know, your traffic go up. But, uh, you know, going back to the original question, I actually don't really review. I don't take stuff for review. I don't get like free records really. And I don't review stuff to slag it unless I think I can do something that's going to be really funny. But I've written out some slag reviews that like have made me laugh as I'm writing them. I'll be like snorting to myself, but I don't end up printing them. Cause I'm like, you know what? I'm going to run into the guy that runs this label at a show someday. <laughs> and he's going to be like, you're that asshole. And I don't want to be that asshole. When I was younger, I didn't care if I was you yeah, know, a yeah. jerk. Now I'm older. It's like, you know what? Uh, I'm a little bit more distant from uh, the age group that's in bands now. So I don't want to be like from the outside, like throwing rocks at what they're doing. It's not really that fair. I mean, if someone wants to talk about shitty bands, there's tons of shitty bands, you know. Uh, But if you're not going to, you know, those venues where all the shitty bands play, then you don't uh, have to put up with crappy bands, and so you don't have to write about them. And I'd rather write about good bands, or at least the ones that I like. Yeah, it gets you nowhere, though. Nobody wants to hear about local bands. <laughs>
2: yeah, trust us, we know. It's the, funny how the similarities. Yeah, exactly. Between your shit. You and
1: get no thing. attention that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely don't get a lot of you know reposts or reblogs or retweets or whatever when they're talking about about local bands like the people who like who run the cover all like the big name bands because they're looking for you know the likes and the retweets you post about a local band and nobody cares but i do i like those bands so i'd rather do something that's honest and maybe people catch on but it's not fake or anything it's just those are the bands i like this is what i am interested in presenting to people that hey this band is cool and i think the bands are great i think i've you know there aren't too many bands that I've really liked that I ended up being embarrassed about. Like, oh man, I can't (laughs) believe I liked those guys. So I guess I'm doing, I guess I'm doing the right thing. I mean, there must be bands that you guys are, you've been associated with that you're either, is there a band like you've been associated with that you were like, oh, I gave these guys a good review, but now I'm not so sure about that. Uh,
0: Well, yes and no. Uh, Yeah, of course. You know, yeah it's hard to it's hard to well, say it's funny. chris chris uh, used to write well, about well.
2: local shows so you, you sometimes yeah. wrote the honest you truth to... about bands you you weren't really into oh
0: yeah, yeah i would uh... <laughs> yeah, actually there's i mean i actually have multiple opinions on this uh i i'm it's weird i have like mixed feelings too but a part big part of me is is uh a big proponent of the like harsh honesty and why can't we just be transparent and why is everyone take everything so personal because the stuff Glenn and I have been involved in people can shit all over and they do but, yeah. and we don't and we don't take it personally so um we actually wear them as like badge of honor, badges of honor a lot of times but so I don't know I kind of look at it as like well I mean fuck it why can't people just, just talk you know whatever but the other flip side of it is i'm like man i feel like i don't really the more and more especially as i get older too it's like maybe to what you were saying i feel like wait but i don't really know what the fuck i'm talking about or I mean, my opinions change often so i don't know how oh I'm yeah thinking. yeah
1: oh mine just going back five or ten years like every every five or ten years it's completely different yeah You go back 10 years, which would have been like, you know, 2011, 2010. And you look at a band you might have written about that you saw play that you liked. And now you'd be like, yeah, I don't understand why I liked them.
0: Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Stuff I didn't like that I like now and stuff I liked and I don't like now. And just, yeah, I mean, or even, yeah, I mean, I don't have any, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you feel, Dave. I'm curious though. But like, I don't really have the guilty, I don't have guilty pleasure. I don't really believe in that, though. It's more like if it's yeah. reflective of my, you know, I, people, I would think, ah, oh, fuck, I, that's not what I was thinking or I don't know, whatever. But do you feel like you have that sort of like, you know, like, like more, a, you know what I mean, like a guilty pleasure or something or something that you wouldn't sometimes you wouldn't expect or whatever?
1: Well, the, the, the funny thing is, it's actually something that I like to use as a question in interviews. I've done it maybe two or three times, so it's almost become almost like a gimmick. Is like, you know, name a band that other people wouldn't think that you like. Yeah, which yeah. is sort of like this sort of guilty pleasure angle, because that brings out two things in people. One, it brings out, like, you can find out something thing that they're really interested in, because they'll usually mention something that they're like very deeply excited about. Um, so it gets that thought process going, but then there's also usually like an explanation about it, you know, that, that you're drawing out of people that, um, Mm. for me, most of the music that I've liked, it's, it's all a part of like the path that you take and it all leads to something Mm -hmm. else. So even at, at the time it like served a purpose, even if you wouldn't go back and listen to it now, most of the stuff I've listened to throughout my life is sort of related to what I started listening to like a couple of years after that. Um, obviously, I've been around long enough where like some of the stuff I listened to in the 80s, um, like I was totally into Youth Crew Hardcore for a couple of years before it started to really start to become like sort of like the same thing. Being done as like a pattern, just like, uh, you know, a costume that people were putting on. Um, And so some of that like later became like, kind of like, oh, gee, you know, not so proud of that. Um, Sometimes with like the politics of bands that you used to like, that's become a big one now is things that bands used to say and do or like put on their record sleeves or whatever. You wouldn't want to show it to your friends now. Nobody cared back then. Um, politically, that's become like a big thing. Uh, but, um, I I would, I would say that for, for for the most part, um, if you listen to a wide range of music instead of just one genre and like the same old thing or whatever, uh, you're you're going to run into stuff um, that some people are going to be like, gee, that, that's actually kind of crummy. But maybe you like it because it's crummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, people seem to really like Taylor Swift right now.
2: Have you listened yeah, to
1: her? Sure. I-
2: you know do you listen do you listen to some of that more popular stuff just to kind of see
1: um just to check out and see what it is some of it has value yeah i mean it's it's always been sort of <clears throat> odd for me that i like to go see bands like that play in basements and stuff like that that like dub their own tapes and do like their own merch and stuff and yet i really like big stupid rock bands too. Like I grew up liking ACDC and cheap trick and I still do. Or I'll like a band like big star or bands that were on major labels Or like my all time favorite band is probably the replacements Mm, who started, who started out really small, you know, doing their own stuff, not really dubbing their own tapes, but they were on a really small label and then they got big and on a major label or whatever. And, um, and to me, inside my own head, there's not really an awful lot of conflict there because it, it, to listen to music, you're taking in all kinds of different influences and different things that maybe you would like or think are great. And um, when I listen to a band that's on a major label or maybe a bit more popular, I try and see it at that eye level. In order to enjoy it, it's really easy to say, like, for instance, nobody's gonna admit, and I'm glad I never got into it, but nobody's gonna admit that they ever liked any of those new metal bands, you know, oh, Godsmack and I, stuff I like ad- that.
0: I admit that I like those all the time. <laughs> I still some of that stuff.
1: I mean, some people grew up on that. That's what was yeah, out they when they did. were 10 yeah. or 12 years old. When I was 10 or 12 years old, what was out was ACDC and Cheap Trick and right, stuff. Right. So I grew up on that. That's less of a guilty pleasure. That's considered like, oh, yeah, they're influential. But sometimes if you're going to like, um, like, I think I've talked about this, like on Instagram within the last couple of years or so, like something like a, uh, like Fleetwood Mac.
0: Yeah.
1: If you're going to listen to Fleetwood Mac as, as like, someone who's a fan of hardcore punk then there's absolutely no way that you could like this music that's kind of slow relative to like say like a hardcore band um or the lyrics are like kind of kind of corny and stuff like that but if you meet it at eye level and like look at it as well what they were trying to do within their particular like you know the music they, that they choose to create then you can see that there are differences That sometimes stuff that's really commercial, there's still stuff that's better at it than other things. And it can can still be okay, um, even if it's popular or even if it sells a lot.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I was going to say, yeah. do you, were you a fan of Sarah Lee
1: of the band Sarah Lee? Yeah, which actually that sort of jags my memory of something that I was going to say uh earlier when we were talking about like local bands and and you know, preferring to talk about bands that you like and try to yeah. help other people find out about bands that you like, is that you guys liked um, Fat Creeps and put out their first record. And that's, a, oh, yeah, wasn't that sure. their that's- first record? And that, see, that's a, that's a big thing. Because if someone was going to ask me, like, what's my favorite Boston band of like the last 10, 11 years or however, the last decade? That's not a hardcore band, but other than that, I would probably say Fat Creeps, but yeah, I did play in like 2014. Um, I think I have everything they put out, which is like a 12-inch, and I have like a couple of tapes. Actually, I think I have three tapes because I have two copies of one, but I think they put a 12-inch out on uh, Ride the Snake. Wasn't it Ride the Snake that they put the record out on? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which a, that's was such a good one. Bringing their name up, Ride the Snake, because again, um, great, great label. Um, the stuff that was on that label, those bands and stuff, that was important. When I was first starting, I had been living in Connecticut and I didn't really start getting involved around you know the Boston area until about maybe six, seven years ago. So I still feel kind of new, but ride the snake was one of the labels that it was like, um, I knew that I could like go see those bands and I would like them.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. That was yeah, one of the sure. part, part of the puzzle pieces. Well, puzzle pieces, again, there was a label called puzzle pieces too. And that was a good label. There's a lot of crossover there between them and ride the snake. I think they released um, a couple of things together. So when I said puzzle pieces, I didn't mean to refer to the, the label, but now I am. Yeah, okay. So, But there was around like 2013, 2014 was when I was first starting to like find places like the Democracy Centers, because I had no idea, because I was living in Connecticut and I wasn't paying any attention. I was focused on Western Mass and like New Haven, Connecticut and, and that area. Oh. So I wasn't really paying much attention to Boston. Or even Providence. So um, when I moved up here and started going to stuff in Boston, it was I was like learning everything from scratch, which was kind of fun. Uh <clears throat> yeah, and, you
2: see
0: Fat uh, creeps. Right. Yeah. I was uh, yeah, you. I
1: saw that. Yeah, I saw Fat Creeps at one of my favorite places, the Firehouse. In oh, Worcester. Worcester. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I love that place. That was big finding places like the firehouse and stuff like that. That was big. It's like, okay, this is where the cool scene is. This is where the bands that I like are going to play. Um, <clears throat> you know, and stuff that I'll enjoy and a crowd that I'll enjoy standing in the middle of people with and not feel like, oh, gee, I don't really get along with anybody around me. Not that I do anyway, but, uh, yeah. um yeah i saw that and i saw uh let's see fat creeps and i saw that show at the LilyPad. their last show the reunion show
0: oh uh, yeah second to last one yeah
1: yeah they ended up doing another show after that which yeah. i think was at uh the record store
0: yeah but, is that um yeah.
1: that show at the Lilypad, actually i saw two shows that night i that- was at the democracy oh. center and then when that show finished i I booked it on over to the Lilypad, which is the show that I really wanted to see. And they were great. They yeah. were amazing.
2: Yeah, that was awesome. Um, There's videos of it. Yeah,
1: but Of uh, which one, the Lilypad show?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I could swear, I think I've seen some on YouTube, but maybe one or two. They were kind of cell phone quality, though. Not the no, way yeah, cell phones some, are someone now. Someone recorded that.
2: Like, profi- <laughs> someone did professional videos. Like surprisingly, really? like is introdu- that up online? Like, yeah, it's up online. It's it's actually surprisingly the quality of it. You almost feel like it's a part of like a documentary or something. Or at least I did it when I, re- I oh being, gosh, like, I don't like, think I've
1: seen that. You should check it out, Dave. I gotta look for that. Yeah, I'll I definitely want because if you can find it, they were great. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they were great. They definitely uh fat creeps to me is like uh like a signature band as far as like when i was getting into stuff from like you know the boston or the eastern massachusetts area that was that was definitely one of the bands that was like you know first for me to say hey i really like this you know even though the first time i saw them i think i was still living in connecticut oh, all really?
2: right yeah. where'd you see say them the first time so many
1: times yeah the firehouse was it's the first time. Oh, okay. I forget yeah. who. I forget who they played with. I don't even remember the what year it was. Uh, maybe it was 2011 or 2012 or 2013 or something. I forget.
2: Yeah, but, uh, I'm think it was probably 2013. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah think it's funny it that they so they played multiple firehouses. Oh
0: yeah, yeah
1: this played. was
0: yeah.
1: Jim Leonard was on was was on drums.
0: Oh okay, yeah. So I used to know. I hope like I remember his name
1: day. right. Yeah.
0: you used to right. Know what? I used to know all their shows, and uh, yeah, I do, yeah now I'm uh, not as well versed as I used to. I feel like it was <laughs> probably uh, 2013. Yeah, I um, could and, go you know, on my no, computer and check. Oh wait, this is I'm almost interesting. Guess, <laughs> I'm gonna guess the Worcester show was. No wait, hold on. No, that was at Distant Castle, I think. I don't know. Never mind, I was going to get castle.
1: another place, another great place. I love that place. When I found that oh. place, I was like, okay, cool. This is great. The yeah. shows start too late, but <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I've never the been first, there, but I've heard the, of it. The, the first distant castle show I ever went to, I left before any of the bands played. Um, it just, it started too late for me. Yeah. 2014 actually it wasn't as early as I thought. The first time I saw fat creeps was 2014. So I was oh, actually okay. already living. I was living. I had moved from Connecticut. I was already living in in Massachusetts. Um, I lived oh, okay. in Massachusetts briefly before I ended up settling in New Hampshire. Yeah, so 2014 and and who was the drummer? I'm trying to see in the pictures.
0: Oh, that'd the be Travis. And- yeah,
1: yeah, it's starting to look more like Travis. Yeah, I'm clicking on one of the pictures now. I think it was more like Travis. He's drummed in every band.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But he's really good.
0: Oh, yeah, he's awesome. I was going to say, I I first met you at uh, the Oz Mutant show at uh, the White House, September 2014.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I I met a lot of people there. Yeah, that was one of the first, um, I don't want to say big shows, but one of the first Shows that I went to in the Boston area that was attended by like a lot of people I recognized, <laughs> right. you know, um, or like who I had known, like Chris Strunk and people like that. Yeah, I was uh, just thinking. Of and what was that?
0: I was just thinking of that because it's funny because I actually I didn't we didn't meet him. Uh, we technically haven't met him in person, but we had him on the podcast and that was, but I don't think I had met him or maybe in passing I'd met him, but I, I didn't realize mm-hmm. until like recently that his band Phantom Rides. Uh, I mean, I knew they played, but I didn't realize that was him uh, playing drums.
1: Oh Phantom yeah. Phantom Rides are killer. That was another band that as I was, I was starting to get into more of the Boston stuff and trying to learn the bands around here. Phantom Rides was another band that I caught on really quick. I saw them play because a Connecticut band that I really like, Estrogen Heights, was playing the Plow and Stars. Okay. Um, which was maybe 2013, 2014 as well. I forget. And uh, they opened up and I was like, oh, wow, this band's great. And I knew all of a sudden I was like, oh, okay, I know who these people are. Because I'd seen foreign objects a bunch of times and so forth and and bands like that um that like melissa and stuff had been in but um <clears throat> but yeah phantom rides definitely uh they never got to put out that they were going to put out like a 12 inch ep or something uh and they never got to do that and i think that really they were a band that uh more people should have heard
0: <laughs> yeah
1: but I saw them. Were you guys at uh, Teachers Lounge? I think was the last time I saw them play.
0: No, no, I missed that one. Yeah, I actually only—I think I only saw them that one time at White House. I, I get it's one of those bands I get to like revisit more, but so I remember liking them, but I think that was the only time was that I was meeting you.
1: Yeah, they were—they were killer, and they got the their sound sort of changed. I think the last time I saw them actually, they opened for Piss Jeans. Which is a weird thing to say. Yeah, on a big stage at, at once, but they were starting to get really uh a little bit more different, like not as much not that they were like a straight ahead punk band, but they were getting a lot more like experimental and stuff. Um but uh I I was thinking they were start, some of their songs are starting to sound more like Perubu, but uh uh it wasn't like as, as much as like the uh just the sort of uh no nah, i mean not they weren't ever like really a straight ahead rock band but they were a little bit more standard or more fundamental earlier on than what they were becoming and i was looking forward to it and then it just kind of fell apart they weren't able to keep it together um but everything goes in cycles everything seems to go within a scene generation wise seems to turn over like every three years three or four years seems to be like the denomination, like as Mm. far as generations go within the punk scene. That's always been sort of like a theory of mine. Like every three or four years, if you go to a show, three or four years later, if you go to a show, it'll be almost entirely, completely different people in different bands. Um, So bands, and maybe it has something to do with how long people are at school before they move out of town. I don't know. Probably more like that in the Boston area.
2: until they get married, or something,
1: yeah, they find better things to do, unlike people like us, but uh <laughs> <laughs> losers like you and me, you gotta change <laughs> <laughs> you gotta change, <laughs> gotta
2: oh, change we, the name of
1: the website, but Wait, um, were you
2: there at that show to see Osmudians or to see um, Phantom?
1: Well, that's how, that's how I heard about it because it was Osmudians, but then like Longings opened too. It was like all great right. bands. And I knew it was a basement, and that's definitely the type of show that I gravitate towards is like, you know, smaller venue basement shows. And someone who I knew peripherally um, was doing the merch and driving the van for Osmudians, um, oh, yeah. a guy named Bruce, Bruce Saltmarsh. And I wanted,
0: meet him i met him a couple Um, times yeah yeah
1: he's a really cool guy i still kind of stay in touch with him um like through like the the newsletter that i'm doing now the one sheet but uh i've sent him he's asked for copies and stuff but um but that was definitely to me that's like a show that's like i mean you don't want to say it's like a can't miss show but it's definitely one that when you see it 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 pops up. I'm like, I'm definitely circling that. Like if it's not snowing and my car isn't broken down, this is a show I'm definitely going to go to. You know, that's the kind of show that I like. And, and didn't, didn't even really realize at the time, um, not only how many different bands and side projects would like come out of Osmudiants, but, um, and, and like what it's sort of not like a big thing it would become, but like how widespread it would become. Like it was a lot bigger than just like some small little band. But also um, I always have tried, at least when I get the chance, when I'm aware of it, if a band comes over from Australia, I try to go. Yeah, you know, smart idea Europe, a Europe sometimes too. But yeah, if there's a band from Australia, because so many times they come over, like they come over just as themselves and they borrow all the equipment or they got to rent a van and they got to like reassemble from scratch. But a lot of them come over. You guys would know this. I don't know, but a lot of them come over for Garner Fest.
0: Right. And right, they'll
1: right. do other, they'll do other shows around it. And that's how you get to see a lot of these bands. But a lot of times they only come over once. So you got to right. go see them, you know.
0: <clears throat> it's an excellent point. And yeah, I that uh, they were on tour uh, down, going down to Garner Fest that, that year. And we have seen, yeah, we've seen Australians at Garnerfest, and they yeah, bands playing, and like you said, it's, I mean, they don't, it doesn't yeah, happen we gotta get often. you down
2: there, Dave. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> there was a year that I was thinking about it, and it just, I ended up, like, just waiting too long on it, and it, like, sold out, and I was like, oh, man, I got, I'd still have to get a hotel room and buy tickets for a plane or think about if I'm gonna drive. I just fudged around, and then um and that was like a couple of years ago i think and, and then now it's like I obviously it's, yeah but i got lucky i've seen spray paint a bunch of times i've seen them at least oh, two yeah. times maybe three times yeah, so i haven't been that. able to see them that's no big that's uh, uh that's one i can check off at least i've seen them <laughs> check it off well, that but, uh, was uh,
0: I remember that show it was May thirty first, two thousand sixteen. At least the time I saw them is we saw them at uh point.
1: Point. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's, that's the first 30, yeah. yeah, yeah. That that's the first time I saw Trim. Let's see, Spray right, right. Paint played they played with another band that was Jim House. Yeah. You aren't the probably oldest there. right now.
2: What was there? Oh sorry, I was just say you weren't the oldest in the audience that night.
1: Oh, because who was older than me? Oh, wait. You know what? I think I think Mr. Chris B Michael. was there. Yeah, Mr. yeah right.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I oh, think Mr. I think band. Mike the was band. there. Yeah, I yeah, think that yeah. was one of the first times I went to a show where I was like, "Oh, wait." Uh, yeah, I'm not the other, although I wasn't really <laughs> as old back then. <laughs> Nobody was, but yeah. Trim Trim played that show, and I saw them and that is probably if i was going to point to one band or one artist that like changed me as far as like when i started to go see boston stuff i had always been sort of peripherally but very minimally involved with like any sort of like noise or improv type stuff down in connecticut i'd been to like two or three shows and i i knew some of the people cuz a lot of them crossed over to like the sort of punk indie rock Stuff that I was into, like estrogen highs and stuff like that. But um, the way Victoria Shen and like seeing Trim and like it was accessible to somebody like me who maybe wasn't, you know, on that level yet, but it was like it was enough to like say, oh wow, like I can, I can, not only can I like really enjoy this, but I can also for maybe the first time understand it. And then when I started to look more into what she was doing, uh, um, where it's all analog and uh, she invents a lot of the stuff herself. 100%. It was like really compelling to me. And that was like huge to to sort of like move me away from just being always like seeing bands with guitars. That was always the thing. You know, you go see bands with guitars. Uh, to get into stuff that wasn't just so guitar centric or specifically about like songs, but more about, you know, pieces creating oh, things that were like, you know, a, yeah. And, and so that was great, but that was, yeah, that was the night the spray paint played. I ended up seeing trim a few more times after that. And then Victoria's like sort of solo thing, but, um, that is something that probably, um, would only happen like in a, in a scene or a town like Boston, you know, coming up to like this, this area, uh, there's so much more available to you through like record stores and stuff that you can soak up a lot of things. I've probably expanded what I listen to and what I seek out and what I pay attention to probably tenfold, ten times over what I used to listen to like when I was living in Connecticut. Just the amount of stuff that's accessible that you start to say, oh, I, I really kind of like this. And you start seeking it out. You do a commercial. Um, so I... so uh do do, do a a travel travel commercial um i'm trying to not be harsh because there's other ways i could be harsh but if i I was going to say nice things about boston that would be the you know some of the nice things i would say the the amount of stuff that's available to you while you're up here there's some things that are bad and crummy about it and if you get out of town and you go to other places you can see and one of the things that's hanging over it and this is sort of obvious is the real estate is so expensive that it's hard to keep anything that's yeah, like true. non-profitable and DIY going if you go to like Philadelphia where it's dirt cheap stuff like that thrives that that art and the creativity and to be able to have a a, a space that's cheap to rent to have friends show up and play and stuff is a lot more readily available. I was going to say easy to use, but that's probably <clears throat> probably insulting to say it's easy. It's not easy, but it's more accessible than it is up here. And, it, and obviously it starts to catch up when you don't have those spaces available to you. Right. Things start to erode. You know, You can't tell now why things are eroding. It could probably more than likely has to do with all the lockdowns. But, you know, before 2020 happened, you could start to see towards the end of 2019 that venues were getting hard to come by. Um, You'd go to a basement, see a couple of shows, it would kind of disappear, go under, they'd get caught or whatever, they'd get busted or whatever. Um, Which is another thing you have to learn, obviously, is basement etiquette. You know, go to the shows, but don't talk a lot about them. Don't tell people where they are which is giving me busted? problems because no, but people look at me like I'm a narc because of my age. <laughs> we had that when we, were, when we were at that show, the least likely oh, yeah. people, the least likely people that I would think would hassle me always turn out to be the ones that hassle me for some reason. Um, Cause that was a benefit for queer fest. Uh, and, and yeah, I pretty much got like chased out of the place. Cause I was like too old (laughs) and that wasn't the first (laughs) time that it happened. And, but it's like, okay, you have to realize that. I don't mean to laugh. Yeah. But but you got to realize you're, you're on someone else's property. You're in someone else's space. They've probably gone through something before that makes them want to, you know, be cautious and want to protect what's happening maybe they've they've had run-ins before with police or authority or something and so now they're they're keeping an eye out and they're like extra but i mean for me to have to walk up to a place and explain myself and people still don't believe me they're like you don't they start asking you questions about bands i think that's how they're going to catch you name the bands that are playing it's like of course i know <laughs> the bands that are playing
2: but they, they ask but you to give you, like, the last 10 years of shows you've been to
1: Yeah, it's it's a shock for me, because it's kind of like, I never really think that way, that I got to show credentials, because it's not about credentials are showing off to me. It's not about showing off and hey, I belong here. It's like, hey, I appreciate the opportunity I'm getting here to see some bands and like participate in something interesting. And so it's always like a sudden, like a real downer, like a sudden shock to me, I probably take it worse than i really should take it that, like when someone starts to question my right to be there i'm like wow i've been around long enough
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, seriously you gotta teach them <laughs> teach them the, like, but, uh, yeah.
1: but, uh, but we'll jump well, off, no, we'll I, jump off of that. that topic
0: yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> what we say, were we talking like, about i've heard like i've hmm. heard like al, you know al quint like i've heard him say sort of more things sometimes and like I, we had angela sawyer on um, for yeah. and I remember, she was saying one time she was at a hardcore show at the Markshe Center, and some some of the kids were like, <laughs> "Like who who invited the mom or something like that?" You know. So it's
1: like <laughs> which is like yeah, if there's yeah. if there's anybody in the scene at the time that was doing more than Angela Sawyer. I mean, I only got to visit her record store Weirdo once because I was living in Connecticut, and right. by the time I moved up here. She was going out of business. I didn't even realize when she was having the clearance. I would have probably gone nuts when she was closing, and I guess she was selling stuff Mm. at like half price or whatever. I'm sure if I went there, I would have gone nuts. But as far as someone who 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 is like creating on all different levels with like the stand up and the poetry and the music and the bands and stuff like that, and having the record store and the writing and all of that, yeah. But because of your age, you get to. Discriminated against, and it's hardly on the list of things to get upset about, yeah. you know, okay. age discrimination versus the other kinds of discrimination that happen, right. you know. Mm-hmm. So, I it's really hard for me to like complain about it because I have it easy right. in, in that Aye. sense. But one of the things that I'll usually think about is it's like, okay, like we were, I was just talking about like the three or four year turnover. You know, that people oh, yes. get in and they drop yeah, out right. every three, four years. The scene turns over. It's like, well, if you do stick around and if you do hang around, which is like you're thinking, isn't that what I'm supposed to be? Remain dedicated. You start to get questioned. Like, wow, why are you still going to see these bands? Aren't you grown up yet? <laughs> okay. But, but the, one of the funny things about me um, that I realize in, in my head, when I go to see a band or when I'm listening to a record, I'm still thinking like a 20 year old kid, you yeah. know, you don't, I don't see my own physical self. Right. Somebody of, of the show, they look over and they see me and they're like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> but I'm still thinking, I'm still interested like, and I'm still seeking out just, yeah, like you and me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like I I still have a 20-year-old brain when I'm doing that. I got a 20-year-old brain, but, you know, in the body of somebody who's 30 years older than that, but, um, <clears throat> I, you know, a lot of people when they get to be my age, if they're still involved with, like, music or whatever, it's more from, like, a nostalgia aspect. They're looking to see, you know, reunion bands or bands from when they were a kid that are reuniting and playing now and all the guys on stage are 50 years old, but I still want to see the type of music I like is still played by people half my age. But when I'm standing there in my head, like with my camera or whatever, which we haven't talked about photography, but that's okay. Cause I don't think yeah. I'm a photographer, but no, when I'm standing we'll there. <clears throat> well, we got to keep this can't go too long. We'll get kicked <laughs> off again. But um, <laughs> when I'm standing there and I'm watching a band, I'm not thinking like, oh, well, I'm an old guy. So I'm going to compare these guys to when so-and-so played in 19. I'm not thinking, I'm thinking of it as like a brand new experience. I'm still experiencing it with like a 20 year old brain. And um, so that's why it's sort of like, sort of shocks me, but sort of affects me when I get other people looking at me, like, why are you here? It's like, why aren't I supposed to be here? Aren't we supposed to like music and continue to like it? But I guess, you know, I see some people, they talk about, man, when I was in my late 20s, I felt old. (laughs) And I'll be like, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. But um... (laughs) Oh, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why would you want to ask about photography? Photography, I think, is really good. I'm not a photographer. I'm just a guy who's a fan of the music that I like to bring my camera because it helps me remember what I've seen and like the bands. And especially because I do writing for like a zine or whatever. Um, that way I can, I, I got pictures of the bands. I don't have to ask other people for them.
2: You got your own pictures.
1: But yeah. And that's actually mainly what it became. Uh, when I was doing a blog that was a little bit more of a sort of like a, a daily content, sort of thing a zine comes out you're able to do like one a year when i I was doing a blog that was more daily it was like helpful to always have these photos and i found that like especially like for instance one instance being like now when we're talking about bands i can look up and say what was that back in 2012 now i can look it up i go to my photo folder and like i got my photos that's one of the reasons why i like to take pictures plus also there's the creative aspect of it it's visual, so it attracts people, it draws them in. More than like writing about a band or talking about a band, posting pictures, especially when a, if a band is very visual, which is like hardcore, which is like, uh, one of the reasons why taking pictures of hardcore bands, those are the best pictures. Those bands are visual, visual, they're aggressive, they're active, there's energy, they're moving around. And those pictures always come out better, but that attracts people, that attracts their eye. And mm-hmm. and it also calls up like memories. Oh yeah, I remember when I saw them. And They're to like me, that's, you know. Well, Those I like black and them. white. Yeah, well, to me, black and white serves two purposes. Um, yeah, I, I like sort of monochromatic to me versus color. Black and white looks sort of classic. Mm -hmm. um it breaks it down for some reason my mind i think in like shades and shadows and black and white reflects that whereas color is like washed out one of my favorite photographers actually probably the most favorite photographer of mine uh californian uh ed culver he says that he shoots in black and white because color looks too much like a party whereas (laughs) black and white is like documenting like not that it's serious but it's like it's making you focus on like the subject of the photo rather than all like the pinks and the greens and crap like that. So I like right. black and white for the fact that it's, you know, it's it's classic and there's contrast, but also for somebody like me, black and white can cover up your mistakes, you know, hmm. with skin tone or with lighting and stuff like that. It's a lot easier I think to shoot in black and white. Now it was tougher when I was doing film because by the time I, Stopped doing shooting film the first time when digital cameras were coming in. You couldn't find anybody that could develop black and white film. So that's why I started. um, I switched over to colored before I went digital. But now I went back to film, black and white film, before all this lockdown stuff happened. I was starting to go back to getting into film again. And it's just easier for me. It's easier for me to picture what I want to do when I'm holding the camera like up. And I'm about to like snap the shutter. It's easier for me to visualize like what I want to capture when it's in black and white. Um, Some people, I think, maybe to them, it just looks kind of like old and decrepit. They'd rather see a color photo. But I like the contrast better. I like the, you know, the 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 shading against, you know, black against white. Obviously, Mm -hmm. how it looks juxtaposed, like against itself. Mm. Photography's tough though. Being a good photographer, which I'm not, I see people who are really good, like Amari Spears, like instantly, like an incredible photographer. Mm. And I don't have that kind of talent. <laughs> you know, I have to struggle at that. I have to keep practicing and I'm not that dedicated to anything in general because I'm not you know, that's just not how I am about stuff. I like to do things until I think of them, but ten but once other people start paying attention, I move on to something else.
2: Do you enjoy Instagram as your sort of
1: medium? I'll, now I do a little a little less. It's still the only thing that I'm on mainly like I still keep a Tumblr and a Twitter, but they're kind of dead. I don't really post much, but yeah, Instagram, the format, plus <clears throat> when I came over to Instagram, which I think is three years ago, I had really started to get fed up with Facebook and everything that was going on there. And I, and I know Instagram is owned by Facebook, blah, blah blah. but at the time, which you're talking, I think 2018, like three years ago at the time, it didn't have as much of the data mining and all the keeping tabs and, and all that stuff that, like, Facebook had. Instagram was a little bit more independent. And so, yeah, when I started with Instagram, I started to get full on. Plus, it didn't have all, like, it does now, unfortunately. So, now it's starting to get time to think about going somewhere else again. Um, it didn't have, like, the trolls as much. It, it it wasn't attracting as much attention from, like, scummy people. <laughs> at least it seemed that way to me so like you could post photos and talk about bands and not have to deal with everyone's like attitudes as much which is like like twitter right now it's just it's all attitude now everyone's looking to do you know their little mic drop sound bite and nobody's really expressing anything beyond like applause lines it's like political speech you know it's like if you like you know how like kiss when uh, Paul Stanley's doing all his raps and stuff to get applause and stuff like that. Have you ever heard like any of those compilations of like the stage patter for like Paul Stanley?
0: No. You know, no How's
1: it going in Cleveland? Everyone <laughs> want to get high. And of course every kid in the audience claps. That's what Twitter's like now. You know, it's right. like Paul Stanley doing stage patter, Just basically just everyone doing their mic drop statement, hoping that they're going to get like picked up That's on. Right, yeah. I see. And we tweeted. And, and Instagram wasn't like that for me because it was still not that easy to share posts and not that easy to share photos. So it was a way that you could do something and kind of keep it within your own circle, which for some reason is important to me, is limiting my audience to people who I think might understand it and might not misinterpret it. That sounds really stupid when I say it out loud. But I am – I'm actually – I'm really – kind of like I'm focused on that. Like I don't want a lot of, yeah, and I want to keep it that way. I don't want it to get too (laughs) big because then you start to get people in who aren't really into it for what I think I'm creating it for. They're into it for other things. They want to use it for other things. It's like I'm starting to get that now um, with the one sheet. You get people that start like, oh, well, we should try to touch our band to this, we should oh, try yeah, to get reviews yeah, or good. something. It's like I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want yeah, someone no, else's
2: CD or whatever.
1: I want to, I listen to what I want. Yeah, but um but yeah, I kind of yeah, people I'm who get you sort of will get you. Waiting. Like, yeah, yeah.
2: Our buddy Hugo but I'm in Montreal. Sorry, shit. Sorry about that.
1: What? What was I, that? <laughs> our, bud, our buddy. I Hugo, was talking. so
2: Our buddy Hugo, who we've interviewed, photocopy. He likes all your shit on Instagram. He, you know, he loves brushback. I don't know if you've ever met him, but he, he just always he, – he loves brushback, everything you do.
1: Hugo? Who's that?
2: Hugo. He's up in Montreal. We've had him on the podcast a couple times, but if you ever see someone like your shit called photocopy –
1: Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, a photocopy with a zero instead of an oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: he runs a he, he runs a website called um time warp weekends he he also writes about music and uh shoots uh photographs at shows and um yeah he's 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 a he good friend of ours that uh yeah, he knows your shit and uh I think he that's cool check out some of his stuff as well. it's like i think maybe this sounds like yeah, I
1: follow movie. him. I follow him. Oh, I'm trying okay. to think. It's kind of a it's kind of a weird time right now because um, we've been gone like a year now <laughs> of like all the lockdowns and stuff. Yeah. So there used to be like a lot of people that you'd follow because they would be like doing like a podcast or a radio show or posting picture, pictures of bands and stuff. And sometimes I like I'll be on Instagram and like someone's post will pop up in my feed and I'll be like. Why am I following this person? And I'll go and I'll scroll through, and I'm like, oh, I remember, because they used to take pictures of bands before all the bullshit happened. So you kind of lose track. It's like, yeah, one of the things that I was saying before, it's like when we're talking about like the scene and bands and writers and stuff like that, it's hard to judge right now because people aren't doing what – they're not able to do what they want to do. Right. So it's it's hard to – a lot of times – your interaction with other people is based upon like being at shows or like enjoying like music or like certain types of expression or art. And that's not available to you anymore. And uh, when that gets taken away as part of uh, your existence, your interaction with somebody, you're left with like, Oh, why, why were we hanging out? (laughs) You know, how do I know this person's cool? I don't even know what bands I like anymore. And then you find out, oh, yeah, that's right. They they did do this all the time. But now instead, now they're just posting pictures of their kids or whatever. Because they don't have anything else to post about. But, I mean, this will just be a blip 20, 30 years from now. People won't even remember. Sure. There's stuff that happened when I was a kid I don't remember now.
2: Of this magnitude. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, there was, there was things, you know, when you're thinking, well, the world will never be the same again. Things are never going to be the same. And five or 10 years after it's solved and gone, nobody remembers, you know, there was, there there have been pandemics, there have been nine 11s and things like that. And it's like,